Our Holy Gospel today is from the sixth chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 17. Jesus uh, has um, just chosen his 12 disciples, and they've been up on the mountainside praying, uh, spent the night there, and uh, this is now where our context picks up today in our reading. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. And looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. The gospel of our Lord. I invite you to uh, pray with me as we pray the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Super Bowl Sunday. We are all just sitting with eager anticipation to watch the epitome of all Sporting events. Some of us can't even wait. I find it more than ironic that this gospel passage before us this weekend is with us on the same weekend when the height of the professional sports world is at its peak. And millions upon millions of people all over the United States and all over North America and all over the world are going to be watching this spectacle of the Super Bowl where a 30-second commercial will be on display for a record $7 million. Corporate America, someone in corporate America is willing to spend $7 million on a 30-second commercial. Let me break that down for you, folks. A little simple math. 
That's a mere $233,333 per second. I don't know what your IRAs look like. I don't know what your pensions look like. But let's just do a little simple math. Let's be, well, let's be generous. Because I know there's some of you out there who are more than rich in your pensions. And this might even be conservative. But let's just say that somebody out there sitting here in this audience today has a pension of 1.5 million. That's gone in about seven seconds with that commercial. Your pension of $1.5 million is gone in seven seconds in that commercial today. Maybe for those of us who are fortunate enough to have maybe $750,000 in our pension fund, maybe gone in 3.2 seconds. And yet corporate America just says, yeah, I'll write you a check for $7 million. For those of you who are living on Social Security, your retirement is gone in a nanosecond <laughs> in that commercial. Kim and my house, Kim and my house is gone in two seconds. That's the value of my house. That's how this country values commercials on TV. It's the my house is worth two seconds of that commercial. Does that tell you something about how rich we are? And yet, corporate America complains because they have to pay 28% in taxes. <laughs> oh me, oh my, I have to pay 28% in taxes, but I can pay $7 million for a 30-second commercial. Okay, I'll stop picking on corporate America now. In many respects... The words that Jesus speaks to us today on the Sermon on the Plain are words that God has been telling us for a long, long time. And I am here to remind you once again of some of those things that God has been telling us for oh so long. The prophet Isaiah spoke of it and laid it out. Isaiah spoke of God's economy, of God's justice of God's divine economy. From Isaiah 40, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill may be made low, and the uneven ground will become smooth, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then he goes on and says even further. He says, a voice cries. A voice says, cry out! And I asked, what shall I cry out? All flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. The flowers fall. And when the breath of the Lord blows on it, indeed the people are grass. The grass withers. The flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. God has been telling us the same stuff for a very, very long time. Even the mother of Mary, even, even the mother of Jesus, Mary, spoke of it in her song of the Magnificat, the song of Mary that I loved and I love to hear every year during the season of Lent. 
in her mercy, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Every day of our lives on this God-created earth, every day is absolute, pure gift. And each and every one of us is truly vulnerable. Ah, but for the grace and the mercy of God. I think about Jan Anderson this week who went into the emergency room on Tuesday They thought it was just a simple appendicitis, but it was more than that. It was a perforated bowel, and she had major, major surgery that far. How vulnerable can you get? Jim Bayless had a valve in his heart that was really messed up. The doctors went in and replaced that valve, and he's doing fantastic now. But he's just one little teeny valve away from going to be with God. You know? All of us, every one of us is truly vulnerable and we live every day by the grace and the mercy of God. And yet every day is a day as, the God, as that Old Testament passage says to us today, every day is a day to live with the trust and the faith in God who has a vision, who has an economy and a divine justice that is constantly calling us for a leveling of the ground, a leveling (laughs) on Super Bowl Sunday, a leveling of the playing field for all people. And this is the tension that each of us lives in, with, and under every day of our lives. And I, I, I certainly hope that you live in that tension. I believe that as people of faith, it is our responsibility to live in that tension. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't recall for sure, but I'm pretty sure that I shared this with you a few years ago. It's something that was in my notes from when I was on internship in Seattle, Washington, and, and that was just a mere 39 years ago. It's hard to believe that I actually keep notes from my internship 39 years ago. But this is what I shared with the people of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Seattle, Washington on my internship. I must have preached on this text back then. I I said, I think of Jesus as the great equalizer. Regardless of your social or economic status, when we stand before Jesus, we are all on a level plane. When we stand before Jesus, we are all on a level plane. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus meets us where we are. He comes to be with us, and he walks alongside of us regardless of our life circumstances or situation. Whether we are rich or poor, whether we are mourning or grieving or at one of our highest points in our lives, he comes and he's with us. And even though his sayings and his teachings oftentimes, they cut like a knife, his truth, his truth reveals us. It reveals us for who we really are and it convicts us. That's one of the things that the Word of God does. It convicts us. Ask Pastor Les Nemi. He would tell you that. 
you have to have a little bit of law and gospel together. And yet, there's something about this cutting like a knife, this truth about who we really are, that it not only convicts us, but that it also transforms us. I would like to think that God's conviction, that God's convicting word also works to transform us. This call from Jesus who speaks the truth about God's economy and God's justice, it's meant to spawn us on. It's meant to produce a spirit of determination and conviction with each and every one of us who call ourselves people of faith to keep on living, keep on living in that grace and to keep on living in that presence of Christ and to receive that abundance of His grace and mercy in order that we can be instruments, that we can be vessels of His love and mercy, and that we can be vessels of His truth. And that's to be lived, and it's supposed to be spoken to the world that desperately needs it, and desperately needs to be reminded again and again and again what has been God's intention for us all along. What did the, what did, what, what did the, what did, uh, the writer of Isaiah say? But the word of the Lord stands forever. Something else that I think is worth noting is that Jesus' healing, at the very beginning of our text, it talks about Jesus coming down off of the mountaintop and his disciples were with him and there was all of these people who were gathered around down on that level place. And people were gathering around because they knew that this guy healed people. That just being within his presence to get an opportunity to touch him would be an opportunity for them to be healed. One of the things that I find interesting is is that all of these healings, there's nothing in this passage that said that Jesus discriminated as to who he was or was not going to heal. His healing was completely non-discriminant. He healed both Jews and Greeks and as far, and it's, I think it's fair to say, especially because this is very, very early on in his ministry, that many of those people who came to be healed, they were non-believers. Or they were soon to be or yet to be believers. And this passage doesn't mention whether the people were rich or whether they were poor. His healing words and his healing actions were completely, completely, did you hear that word? Completely indiscriminate. Jesus was the presence of the kingdom of God coming near into the lives of these people and irregardless of their religious or their social or economic status, Jesus was there in that place, in that moment, and he was there for everyone. That's part of God's divine economy. That's a part of God's divine justice. Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor wrote that this Sermon on the Plain, it is not advice, it is not a prescriptive sermon, it's not advice at all. She says it's not even judgment. She said it is simply the truth about the way things work. I think there's a whole lot of truth to that. 
She says that Jesus addresses every blessing and every woe to every person. Jesus addresses every blessing and every woe to every person. As if to say that this is the human pattern. This is where all of us live each and every day of our lives. We are moving continuously from blessing to woe to blessing to woe to blessing to woe. And if you don't believe that, then you're, you're fooling yourself and you're lying to yourself. Reflect back on your life and notice the number of times that you have experienced extreme blessing and at the same time you've experienced woe upon woe. You know, I probably shouldn't bring my personal life into it, but sometimes I think my wife thinks I'm more of a woe than a blessing. And that's true. That is so true. Spend five days together putting together and organizing a garage sale. (laughs) I was a woe to her more times this week than I was a blessing. And if she was here right now, if she was willing to admit the truth, she would be going like this. Yes, he was. He was very much a woe to me this week. And that is the pattern of our lives. It's the human pattern. And as Deb Thomas so aptly writes, she says, Our God is a God of both comfort and challenge. In this divine economy, we are, all of us, on one level. Blessed and woeful. Saint and sinner. We occupy this plane on this beautiful and yet broken world together. Hmm. In Matthew, the version of this Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. My prayer is that this will be a part of our daily prayer life, that we will never, ever lose the hunger or the thirst. Not, not should, should we never, ever lose the hunger and the thirst for God's divine justice and God's divine economy. That should be one of our daily prayers to never lose the hunger or the thirst for God's divine economy and God's divine justice. In just a few moments, we're going to sing a hymn A hymn that we do not sing very often here, but so it might be a little bit of a struggle, but it does have a nice catchy tune. We come to the hungry feast. And some of the words in that speak to this passage today. May we as the people of God who live in trust and faith, may we continually stay hungry for a word of peace. May we stay hungry 
for unsatisfied hearts to sense and to know the love of God. May we stay hungry for a world to be released of hungry folk of every kind. Those are some of the phrases in this hymn that we're going to sing in just a few moments. I'm going to conclude today with a reflection from Mother Teresa. I think I've shared this with you before, but I think it is very apropos to this passage today. Mother Teresa, when she was living, she said this. She said, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or to do this or to do that. But now I pray that God will simply guide me to do whatever it is that I am supposed to do or whatever it is that I can do. She says, I used to pray for answers. She says, but now I'm praying every day for strength. And she wrote and she said, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now, she says, I know that prayer changes us and that we change things when we are changed. May we keep moving forward each day with Christ ahead of us, as Pastor Al always reminds us, that Christ is always ahead of us. That this divine justice, this divine economy, this level plane of God, this word of God, it is always out in front of us, guiding us to do whatever we're supposed to do or whatever it is that we can do. Continually praying for strength, for the faith and the assurance that prayer changes us and makes it possible for us to be agents of change in the world. Amen. Please join with me as we confess together our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now please pray with me the, the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God.